Welcome to No Instructions. I'm Bob. And I'm Josh. And we're back. 2022 edition. It's been a little while since we've been able to record. Yep. How you doing? I'm fine, man. How are you? Um, I'm doing pretty well. I missed you. <laughs> Even though I've seen you a whole bunch. <laughs> it has been weird. It's been a month or so since we've recorded. Yeah, because the um, Christmas movie bracket things are still on the table. Yeah. <laughs> so a nice little time capsule of yeah. where we were when we were last sitting here. I walked into this room today and saw these Mandalorian models that we're working on. I'm like, oh, yeah, hmm. we were working on those models that one time. I forgot about those completely. So, well, let's do a little recap. How was Christmas? This was my favorite Christmas on record. Cool. Yeah. Like, so I remember not including all the secret Christmases that you had. Yeah, the off-the-record one. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember sitting there in a the moment, like, all my kids were happy. They were kind to each other. Like, we do the... How long did that last? <laughs> it lasted for a long time. Good. And That's I remember awesome. thinking, like, don't, don't <laughs> notice. <laughs> don't say anything. Don't draw attention to it. You guys are being so good. No! Yeah. yeah. That's but, great. Um, we did the Secret Santa for the kids the first time, so, like, they got gifts for each other. Mm-hmm. Which in itself, like, as an exercise was pretty interesting because my middle son uh, drew my daughter... And he was like, oh, I can get her this thing that I want. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's not how this works. He's like, but we could play with it together. I'm like, mm, I'm going to make a ruling on this, and I'm going to say no. Yeah. And so eventually, like, he he acquiesced, and he got her stuff that she wanted. And that those were the first gifts that they opened mm. were the things from each other. And it just, like, set the tone that they were just, like, very kind and happy and, like, huggy. <laughs> and huggy. I don't remember if I said this before, but my wife and I, we do our gift exchange on Christmas Eve after the kids go to bed. So it's just the two of us, hmm. which was awesome, as always. And I always forget that we do that. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. I get all my presents now. And little <laughs> little kid Josh is real excited. But just everybody was was cool. What, and what started that tradition for you two? My wife. Hmm. It's not that old. I think it's probably since we since we moved here. That's, I mean, that, it's been a little while. You guys have been here for a while, you know? Uh, yeah, we bought that house almost four years ago. Whoa. Okay, so it's been that long. <laughs> yeah. But it's kind of nice. Mm. I always forget, and then I end up getting cool stuff a day early. And uh, on Christmas Eve, we do the Christmas jammies. And I don't normally like wearing pajamas, like especially Christmas ones where it's like, here's a shirt you have to button up and like yeah. some thick pants. Like, Bleh. Here's some really tight clothing that's made to fit a three-year-old. No, thanks. We're going to scale so, it up for an adult. Well, everybody usually gets like Christmas-themed pajamas, and then I get like a pair of shorts or oh. some uh, like flannel pants that my wife will end up taking from me and becoming hers. And so this was the first year that she asked me like if I wanted to participate in the the Christmas jam. And I have never like vocally been against it, but this was the first year she asked me and I'm like, every year I wanted to do it. <laughs> I just didn't so really say out. anything. Cause like, yeah, really? yeah, everybody else is like, Oh, you got your reindeer ones and you've got your elfy ones and you've got your snowflakes. And it's like, here's like blue flannel pants. Hmm. And so I feel a little bit left out, but I've yeah. never really said it cause right. it's not really that big of a deal. But this year, mama got everybody like matching ones. Mm-hmm. And so I was like part of it and everybody was happy and our meal was good on Christmas Eve. The Christmas Eve party was it pretty good. Like it was good. It was just great. It was good. Like everybody good. was happy and I was really happy. Awesome. 
my wife surprised me with a gift I didn't know I was getting. Oh, yeah? Because we do the the Amazon wish list so that, like, I'm a very particular person. Uh, I talked about a while ago on this show how I got paid for, like, a, a job in the workshop or whatever that I did. And instead of buying this cool thing that I wanted, I bought a grown-up electric toothbrush. <laughs> and so she, she heard me, and she got me uh, Wedge Antilles X-Wing helmet. Yes. Which is, like, double in price from when it was originally when I was going to buy right. it, and I didn't for the toothbrush. So she got it for me. That's awesome. And I was wearing around this X-Wing helmet like a dorky little kid. I did see your picture of that. Got a record player, so I could play my mom's old records. Like, it was not, like besides the gifts and stuff, but just it was a... A fantastic day that wasn't really spoiled. Hmm. Like, it, it didn't descend into madness as I would usually expect it to. It just held on. Good. It was great. That's awesome. Yeah. How so, well, it was good. I'm curious, though, do you think that you're... Are you going to expect that from Christmas from now on? Uh, my expectations of my children's behavior um, is probably in the gutter. So maybe this is why it's like, oh, it was great, is because everybody was just happy. Hmm. And so when they're not happy and they're whiny and screamy, like that to me is, unfortunately, at this point in my life, that's the norm. But I don't know. They're getting older. They're able to think outside of themselves. I think with the Secret Santa thing, I really liked because they purposely had to not be selfish. Yeah. Like, we, we do the debit card thing where they earn money, where they do all their jobs, and so each one of them knew exactly how much they wanted. And each one of them, after my middle son uh, was done being kind of selfish, was very spot on with what they thought would make the other person happy. It was great. Mm-hmm. My older son got my middle son. They got him some plushie from some YouTuber that they watch who's in, like, England. And, like, watching his face light up because he got this, like, obscure thing that they freak out about on the internet. Interesting. Yeah. Um, my oldest son got some Harry Potter stuff from my daughter. My daughter got some bath bombs and this little fish thing. And, like, all of them were just happy. Hmm. It was great. And they influenced that happiness upon themselves, which yeah. was really, really heartwarming at the time. We, so we did that as well with the kids, and but we paid for it all because I wanted them to be able to, like, not be constrained by what they had mm-hmm. to give to the other one. Oh, no. I almost dropped a knife on my leg. And uh, so we, you know, we offered to pay for it, and I don't know that we'll continue to do that, but it was a good thing to say, like, you have this much. Now, what, you know, like you're saying, what what would that other person like that they could that you could afford with this much? And so we, <clears throat> I took each one of them out individually and... Um, it was funny because it turned out that two kids had each other and the other two kids had each other. Mm. So it wasn't a big circle of gifts. It yeah. was just two people buying for each other, which it turned out to be kind of neat. But I took my oldest son out and he was buying for my youngest son. <clears throat> There's about a, what, a five year difference. Give him a bag of candy. I was, well, that's kind of what I was expecting. <laughs> I was expecting like, not, not candy because he always asked for candy, but just something kind of like, I don't know, let's just get him a yeah. a throwaway kind of whatever, you know. Or I was expecting uh, him to, he's 14 years old. So I was expecting him to, oh my goodness, is he 14 years old? Wow. <laughs> Welcome. Wow. Hello. That just dawned on me. I mean, I've known that, but wow. Anyway, um, I was expecting 
uh, kind of a, the selfish thing that you're talking about. Like, yeah. well, I, you know, I would like this, so I'll just get him what I would like or whatever. And so they do a lot of Pokemon um, trading and collecting and stuff between all of them. And so we went to look at stuff, and he was like, yeah, I want to get him Pokemon cards. And I know that my youngest is not as into Pokemon as everybody else. And I was like, well, hang on a second. Is that because you know, you would want them or is that because he would want them? And he looked at me straight in the eye and he was like, no, every time we trade cards, he doesn't want to play because he doesn't have anything good to trade. So I want to spend most of the money buying him cards so that he has a better chance of having something valuable so he can feel included to trade with the rest of us. And I was like, Booyah. dang, dude, that's it. All right. It's working. <laughs> Let's go get whatever you want. <laughs> like, like you're right on it. Um, and the fact that he could... Like, he didn't have to come up with that. Yeah. You know, in response to me being, like, you know, questioning him. He had that unlock. That was his reasoning from the beginning. I thought that was really cool. That was surprising, and it shouldn't have been. And I'm finding more things like that where I'm surprised by the, the things that they do that I'm proud of. And I shouldn't be so surprised because they're all good kids. Like, they, yeah. everybody make mistakes. Everybody does things that are dumb and wrong. Everybody. But I shouldn't be so surprised that they're mostly good. You know what I mean? So I'm trying to get better about that because that's absolutely a me thing, not a them thing. I had that happen a couple days ago. My middle son is learning how to read, and he's doing a great job. And he's the one that, like, reads all the signs and is just kind of catching on. And my oldest son will read a book in, like, a day. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. And... He, my middle son is intimidated by this this thing that he's trying to learn, but he sees his older brother as this, like, crazy example of how to do it. And I'm like, don't feel bad because you can't read an entire chapter book in an afternoon. And he was reading something. I'm like, buddy, I think you're ready to try, like, a chapter book. Mm. And he was intimidated by it. And so the other day, they were all at the library, as they usually go every week, and... My boys picked out a book for my middle son together, and so they have been reading it together. My middle son oh. has read it. Cool. My older son is there because he's read the book before, and if he gets hung up on a word, my oldest will help him through it. And I came home, and they're just, like, smiling and reading. Wow. And I'm like, you're not fighting, hurting <laughs> each other, or breaking something that I own. Like, what is, what's happening? And they're like, oh, yeah, he wanted to read this book, and he's doing a great job. And the other one's like, was encouraging and kind and like this is wonderful wow awesome yeah i don't know how long that's gonna last but I'm well gonna take a, i'm gonna take a snapshot of that moment i mean it's funny that you say it that way though because we do have this expectation that things are just gonna descend and that's yeah like at any moment it's so fragile and that's probably not fair it's not you know but, we but all... historically <laughs> I've, <laughs> right i've been burned many times so yeah, but, I'm guarded. But their expectations are guarded. Theoretically, their maturity levels are all headed in an upward direction. Theoretically, you know. So, I mean, I, I think we should all hope for better behavior. Every not, I don't mean this as a pressure thing, but like we should assume that they are maturing. Yeah. Slowly, and that their reactions today will be probably a little bit better, or at least similar to what they were a couple days ago, which should have been better or a little bit similar to what they were before that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I got to get better about that too. But yeah, our, our Christmas was good. You know, it was, um, I don't want to say same old, but it was nothing really 
stood out. It was nice to take a break. Like I, we didn't really ever make a plan as to how much time we were taking off here at work around Christmas. And I don't know, it was just really nice to kind of be done and then not come back until January. And, um, I, I spent a lot of time intentionally not working in that week after Christmas between Christmas and new year. And like where I could have, I was free. I mean, I could have gone and, you know, done stuff or whatever. And I just didn't. And it was nice. I think I needed to force myself to do that. Probably need to do more of that. I was sprinting to get a project done. Oh yeah. I was, I was working nonstop. Uh, I had a commission from some friends of ours from a long time ago who was retiring from the air force and this very large, almost four foot long, um, shadow box with flag and walnut and maple and so I was working really hard to get that done. I had a deadline. And I had to build a crate because I had to ship to Texas. This is the first time I built a crate. So I like crazily overbuilt it. But then I was very cautious of weight because it was already really heavy. And so I made this thing. It's got a big piece of glass in it that I had to custom cut. And it's fit in this really weird way to where you can't easily change the glass. But you can take like the panels on the back off and had all the metals and all the stuff. So it finally got to them the day before his retirement ceremony, and it was broken. UPS the had glass, taken it. The glass was broken. The glass was broken. In like the tiniest, stupidest little way, the glass was broken, pretty much ruining the entire thing. And because it was a custom piece of glass, it's like fit into this thing in a very weird way. Like there's no way for them to easily replace it. Mm. And so I'm working with her now to try to see if they're going to ship it back to me. Like I, I finally was able to file an insurance claim uh, I'm probably not going to get any of the money. The insurance that I, I specifically put on it because it was heavy and it was large and it was cumbersome, I'm probably not going to get back. So mm. I sprinted. I got everything done. I was very proud of what I did, and then it broke. And then I was less so proud, and now I just <laughs> want it to be over with. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, working up to – I think it was uh, up to Christmas, I gave myself, like, I'm not going to work these days. And so then I had to like hurry up and rush all the rest of the days. But it was really nice like to be in my own shop. And traditionally I would use a lot of digital tools. Like I modeled the whole thing in Fusion so I had all of the cut paths and everything. And come to find out that I did a lot more just handwork than I than I did with any of my digital tools. Hmm. It worked so much better and was so much faster and so much more precise. Well, I'll say more precise, but more precise in the moment. Yeah. If I could just measure measure everything make sure everything fit perfectly fine. And I don't know, it was really nice. And I don't know, I might do more of those, but it was, I got to work out packaging because that was ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Like with something that big, other than just like putting it in a Jeep and driving to Texas and handing it to them, there's no other, there's always risk associated with it. Mm-hmm. And so I buy extra insurance to offset that risk. And apparently that risk mitigation is like, well, doesn't really matter. We'll make the claim process super difficult, and then you're probably not going to do anything. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to – won't want to go through with it or whatever. Yeah. It's funny with the – you're talking about the digital tools versus the hand stuff. I, You and I are different in that way that a lot of times um, we'll both start something in Fusion and get the design down, and then you'll follow it through, usually, you know, using the machines to execute a lot of it. And I almost always feel more comfortable at that point being like, okay, I've got the visualization done. Yeah. Now I'm going to jump to just doing things by hand because I feel like I can more accurately, not accurately as in measurement, get it done, but I can make it to fit. 
Yeah, and that's where I started. So the whole thing had like the Air Force logo, like chevrons with a little star in the middle. And so I started off digital because I knew I could CNC all of those angles and all of the pieces and everything like a star with a circle in the middle and outside of that star had lines that lined up. And so I could just make everything perfectly. I didn't have my ability to cut something, to cut a curve um, is dramatically different in my shop than in your shop. Because you have two bandsaws, you've got a jigsaw that is reliable. Like, I have my table saw that I can cut a straight line. Other than that, that's about it. My jigsaw is garbage. So if it had curves, I put it on the CNC, which takes a while. Yeah, it makes sense. And so I had those, and then once I had that, everything else was pretty much a straight line with, like, very goofy geometry, but I had those pieces. And so I was very cautious of, like, order of operations, so I didn't have to go back and redo anything. Um the way that it all went together and like this piece has to be finished and it has to be sanded and this piece has to be glued or can I glue this piece up and I have to glue the body and then once I do the body, I have to cut the glass and when I do the glass, I got to do a rabbit. And so it was more complex than just like a uh, a regular shadow box that I've made. It's just like a, a rectangle and then you put a back on it. It had a lot of goofy geometry. It was sandwiched together all weird to make this like layered look. It was cool. Um, it turned out really nice. I mean, yeah, I was super proud of it. I'm like, hey, look at there. Now just like magically don't poof, break. get to them. <laughs> and uh, I had to put, I had to add, strategically add structural handles to the, the crate because you couldn't carry it. Like I took a cargo strap and like fastened it to the bottom of the crate so that you could like wrap them up over the sides. Hmm. So I tried to be helpful. Apparently it didn't really help because they showed me some like ring camera footage of... The guy bringing it on a dolly and then setting it on the wrong side because it says this way up in, like, big, huge letters and it's fragile. <laughs> then I wrote, please, dear God, don't break this thing in big letters that the company had circled <laughs> in a red <laughs> marker. That's awesome. But alas. Well, at least uh, they circled it. I mean. <laughs> yeah, it showed up to their house. The crate was broken. It had footprints on the top. So she took a picture of, like, all the footprints and stuff that were all over it. And it was in on the part that the crate was broken is where the little piece of broken glass was. Mm. So when you look at it, it's like maybe a half dollar size, like a two inch radius of broken glass right in a corner to where it's a big, huge pane of glass and everything is fine except for that corner. And it's very obvious. Yeah. And so because that's broken, the whole piece of glass is broken and it's positioned in between pieces of wood that are glued together. So like, ugh, it, it'll be a pain to fix and I'm not. 100% sure how we're going to move forward, but I would like my insurance money now, please. <laughs> That's why I did that. Well, yeah. I mean, better than not having it, I guess. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Cool. Well, um, what else has been going on? Anything like any other non-holiday stuff or? Let's see. Uh, I've been working out every day. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Cool. How's that I was been? at a point last year probably a year before that like i didn't want to have to worry about um like my weight i didn't want to stand on a scale anymore hmm. i've always been a bigger person when i was in the army it was very difficult to manage and i did and then when you didn't it was super detrimental and so it's one of those hang-ups that i've had like from forever hmm. and so when it becomes an issue it's like the only issue that i have and so by trying to manage my weight i can get like really deep into where like I don't eat for like a long time and it becomes kind of like it becomes bad. Yeah. So I try to work out and I don't really know what I'm doing. And so now uh, 
I've tried, I've rested too hard on the like, no, I'm okay with me to where I just got kind of lazy and didn't do anything. Hmm. So I took it to another like pendulum extreme. So I got back into working out every day. It's a goal, not a resolution or anything, but just like a goal of mine to stop being lazy and to stop like letting me being okay with who I am equal like an excuse to do nothing. Hmm. So, yeah. There's some like middle ground there where like being okay, but also wanting to be different. Yeah. Like I want range of motion. I want to be comfortable. I, I don't right. want to, I don't want to weigh 180 pounds again. I mean, it'd be cool, but I mean, to be realistic to do that would take like super dramatic, crazy drastic measures, but I don't want to feel uncomfortable. Um, and so every morning, like I've been getting up every morning and doing a workout my wife has started doing it too. Mm. And I like working out in the morning. It just feels nice. Yeah. And I've incorporated more yoga into a workout, which I, I've done every once in a while. But like being in the military when you just, you run a lot and you do push-ups and you do pull-ups and you do all the stuff that was like working out, workout. Yoga was always, it, it felt like uh, shamming or like doing nothing. It's but tough. I, it is tough. <laughs> yeah. And I really like it. And it has deeper implications than just like a workout. Like it, when I was in the pool, I had to hold my breath for a really long time and I would like calm my heart rate down. It'd be this actual like mental game that I would play with myself while I'm underwater and I could feel myself slowing my heart rate down, calming down, Hmm. use less oxygen, relax yourself. And like it went into my personal life where I could just try to be more calm. And since Hmm. I started doing more yoga, it, it has a lot of those elements where you're controlling your breathing, yeah. you're managing your exertion with your respiration and just trying to do And it brought back a lot of those same feelings. And I was using the Apple Fitness Plus. And so when you wear your Apple Watch, you can see your heart rate and you can see a lot of your metrics like on the screen while you're doing it. And, and so now, besides getting a workout, I'm challenging myself to like calm my heart rate down while I'm doing stuff. And so throughout wow. the day, I'm challenging myself to calm myself down. Yeah. And I'm hoping those things are kind of are able to bleed over into non-workout times where if I'm getting upset at people or situations or whatever that I can attempt to calm myself down. Yeah. So interesting. It's been really good. I wouldn't have thought about that as a side effect. It's not a side effect. I guess it's like a it's a third order effect. Yeah. yeah it's like an ancillary skill mm-hmm. that you would learn through yoga. That's And I didn't really think until I had that feeling. I'm like, "Oh yeah, this is what I did." Every day underwater, it was that that same kind of, I don't know, the physical feeling and mental feeling. And I remember thinking back then, like, we had maybe a kid and a half. I think Tiff was pregnant. But even as crazy as our life was back then, like, I was a way more calm person. And not that I'm super anxious or anything now and life changes. I was like, but I didn't let anything really bother me. And I was just, like, super chill all the time. Hmm. And I was like, I don't, I don't know if that was a side effect of that just constant exercise of relaxing, forcing myself to relax in a situation where I am amped up yeah. and I have to bring it down. Like that is my goal. Not not to, to bench 500 pounds, but to calm yourself down. Hmm. And it's been really nice. And I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. And it's nice just to have some time by myself where I'm not like sitting on my phone doing nothing. Like I'm being productive in, in a way that is actually productive. Yeah. It's weird. My... Um like physical activity has dropped off a little bit so far this year, not because I've wanted to, but the, I had a goal last year. And when I met that goal, 
was like you hit your thousand miles. I did. That congratulations, Ben. Thank I haven't you. got to tell you that. Thank you. Um, and that was a good goal for the year and everything. But then I was done with it, and I don't want to do it again. I mean, I want to keep running and stuff, but like that, it was just too much. I was just burned out of. I was tired of running at the end of the year. So. And other people, you know, they do a lot more than that in a year, and they have bigger goals, and they always want to amp it up and everything, and I have no interest in that. <laughs> I want to be healthy, yeah. but I don't want to run 2,000 miles, <laughs> you know, something stupid like that. So I'm trying to figure out what the thing is for this year that can keep me – and it, I think what it's going to be um, is instead of having a year-long goal for something, have, like, monthly goals. Mm. Yeah. Because Shorter, I think digestible. Yeah, I. It was fine to work for a year towards something. I think it was a good long term goal, and I, there was a lot of wiggle room. You know, if I if I didn't want to run, it was like, well, I have a year to make it up. Yeah. So like, it's not that big of a deal as long as I stay on top of it. Uh, so there's a little bit more pressure on a monthly goal, but I can also reset that goal every month. So, whereas before I was running, I had to run eighty three point three miles a month to get to the thousand, and. <laughs> So now, this month, I just decided, well, excuse me. I just burped into the microphone. <laughs> I apologize. I just had lunch. So my um, my goal for this month is just like, well, let's do 70 miles. It's less than what I'm used to doing, but it's still 70 miles. Like, it's still running quite a bit this month. I know it's attainable. I know it's something I can do comfortably and not have to run every day. Yeah. And then at the beginning of February, I can figure out, what that thing is going to be. And it'll probably not be running. It'll probably be like, I want to bike 50 miles or I, I don't know. I haven't yeah. thought about it, but I want to try to get into eventually to where within a week I've ridden my bike some, I've run some, I've done like a floor workout, like a body weight workout or something. And then maybe some climbing. If I can get a climbing mm. wall built up somewhere, I'm thinking about putting one in the garage. Yeah. I really miss that. Cause I used to love, bouldering just in a small area yeah but you spend an hour doing it and your entire body is wiped out so i want to try to get that uh available because i don't even have a place to do it now but so i'd like to by the end of the year be doing all of those <coughs> things kind of on rotation you know so that i don't get burned out because the, the running was just like it's so tedious <laughs> at the end of the year the last especially december i was just like man i'm so over this like i can run and not even pay attention and i can run five miles at, at like a 7.30, 7.45 and stop and not be out of breath, which is awesome from a health perspective. Yeah. But like, I didn't have to try to do that. Yes. Yeah, the challenge isn't there. Yeah. The mental challenge isn't right. there. And I mean, the thing to add challenge to that would be, okay, we'll try to run a seven minute mile, which is bananas. And that would have been hard work. But at the end of the year, I'm like, man, I don't want to start. <laughs> Forget that, man. So I'm trying to find smaller kind of physical things that I can, you know, do for a month at a time or whatever, kind of change that. Because I'm definitely feeling the, uh, the age. I don't feel old, but it, it takes more work to, to feel healthy than it used to, mm -hmm. you know? Like, I know that if I let it slip, then it, it'll be harder to get back and stuff as far as, like, weight and just aerobic health and all those things. Yeah. At this point That's in life, if, true. if I let them go, it's harder to get them back, so... That's a big thing for me this year. I guess maybe that has been like the impetus wanted to work out was not that I feel bad about myself or that I have to fit into some like image of what I used to be. Is I just want to, 
I've started to feel differently, and I don't want to feel differently. I limited range of motion. Like my back would hurt hmm. when I'm like, oh, your back should not hurt. Yeah, he's like, you're not a construction worker. Right. Like, oh, it's because you you don't do as much as you did, and like my stomach would hurt. And I would feel really awkward, and I I stopped drinking coffee hmm. like months ago. It's probably three or four months ago, and I feel great. Hmm. And it's I, I haven't drank caffeine. And I did one day, I had a rum and coke after uh, dinner with my wife, and I could not sleep. That was probably around dinner time, six-ish, and I was up till like two in the morning. I'm like, man, Dang. getting rid of caffeine, like did a number, and then bringing it back. I'm like, nope, you can't do this anymore. Wow. Haven't had a migraine in a long time. Wow. And so I think it's my health goals or my uh, the goals I have for myself for the year. Like, I want to run another race. Like, we ran that race, and it was something to achieve and I was proud of myself for. And then when it was over, I'm like, okay, that's over with. Done. And then I didn't do another one. Yeah. And that was, that was probably the downfall. And I, I realized that. But let's put one on the books. Because, yeah, I mean, that gives me something to work, work towards too. Yeah. But, like, listening to, listening to my body, listening to how I feel, and then doing something about it and stop being lazy about it. Mm. I realize I've been on my phone a lot, which I really don't need to be. Which, ironically, the Apple Fitness Plus that I use a lot is have to use my phone. Yeah. But it's, I think it's being more intentional. And I, I'm hoping that that is going to affect the relationship I have with my kids. Because everybody wants a, a piece of me. Mm-hmm. And I realize that if I'm doing something, no matter how like inane or important, because I'm doing a thing, I selfishly want my time to be uninterrupted. Where... It, it, the inane stuff doesn't need to take place anyway. Right. Like that time should not be occupied. So it has no ability to be interrupted because it should be free time. <coughs> Excuse me. Anyway. <coughs> yeah, CNC plastic stuck in the back of my throat. <laughs> We've been CNC <laughs> these plastic panels all day and I think I got a piece. <coughs> Pardon me. So speaking of... of- being on your phone, I've been trying to, uh, for the past couple of weeks, trying to do less of that. And I'm listening to this book, and I'm pulling out my phone right now to tell you the name of the book because I can't remember the name of the book. Uh, it is by John Eldridge. Why do I know that name? He does lots of, he's a pastor, or used to be a pastor. Um, it's called Get Your Life Back. I've read some of his books before, and this is the first one I've ever listened to. <clears throat> um He's, he's one of those people you I have to listen to at like one and a half times speed because otherwise it's like this <laughs> for a really long time. You oh, know, it's like, nope, it is very no, NPR. And so like if we listen to it at normal speed or fast speed, it sounds like me talking normally. Okay. So that's kind of why I listen to it. But the whole idea of the book is that we are, I think it's a lot, you know, a lot of people think and just he puts it down into some specific terms where the world is just vying for your attention all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are just f- being forced to, not forced to, we are having distractions thrown onto us all the time and we can choose what to do with those. And so a lot of what he talks about is like, um, you know, finding a one minute pause where you just really take everything away for a minute just to kind of clear your mind, get focused on like if you're distracted and you're having trouble getting something done. And he's a pastor. And so a lot of the stuff 
eventually connects to scripture and his belief in God and what he thinks God wants for us and things. And so um, that part's been really interesting as well. But I think even outside of that, if somebody were just trying to figure out how to be less distracted, he covers a lot of just very, very practical stuff too. Hmm. But one of the things was, you know, he's talking about how the phone is necessary for so many people for their jobs and for being in touch with family and all these different things. But it also just carries this weird attachment that we don't really need and how, you know, the world is just moving at a pace that it's never moved at before. And we don't really know how this is going to affect all of our attention spans long-term and all this type of stuff. But so from listening to that, I've tried to um, fight the urge a little bit more to just, if my hands are idle, pull my phone out and see what's up. Yeah. Because I think there's, I do that a lot, not because I really care not because I am looking for something specific, but just because I'm idle. And so I'm just trying to capture those little moments and be like, instead of going to that with idle hands, like look up, look in the room, who's in the room with you, say something to that person, just like Mm -hmm. little stuff like that. Um, And I I did something which, this is so simple, and I don't know why I didn't do this before. Do not disturb on my phone on a schedule. On a schedule? You can put a schedule. Every night at 10 o'clock, my phone goes to, and my watch, go to Do Not Disturb. It comes back on at 7 a.m. Interesting. Which means I get no notifications unless they're from somebody in my favorites list. Mm. So you guys, my family are Aww. in that. <laughs> if, you know, if somebody needs me, the people that I really care about needing me, yeah. they can get me. Otherwise, I don't get email notifications. I don't get anything. And yeah. the thing that's cool about that is not that I, I mean, I still look at my phone but I'm not caught being pulled away from something I'm already doing. That's when Jenny and I yeah. have time together to not be with anybody else. And a lot of times we're just watching TV or hanging out, but I still don't get anything that's dragging my eyes away from her or yeah. away from what we're doing or whatever. And so what is Because it's very like, easy for thing, like essential but, work on your phone to be done. Yeah. And then your eye to glance over that half a centimeter to something else that you're just used to to perusing through. Yeah. Like I it's have, not like you leave the office and then you go home and you separate that work and right. that home. When you work on your phone or you work on your computer, the difference between work and pleasure is so small. That gap is non-existent. Yeah. And I found that I've built up this unintentionally, have built up a list of like a checklist of things to check when I'm on my phone. Always. And I don't even, I didn't mean to, but every single time my phone Opens up. I'm looking at it. I know exactly where all the icons are for the things that I check on a regular basis. I always check Twitter, Instagram, just to see if there's any notifications for me. That's the thing that I like. Other, I don't peruse a whole lot, but yeah. I check those. The weather is right there. I always do that. Um, I'm usually waiting on something from Amazon, so I'll check like shipping <laughs> notification. And then I always open Slack to see if I missed any notifications from you guys. And so it's like this little pattern that no matter when in the day I open the phone, I go through that pattern and I do all those things. And that's an additive, like each one of those is a few seconds, but it adds up. And then every time I do that pattern, it adds up to a whole lot throughout the day. So I'm really trying to get better about just, you know, keeping it where it's supposed to be and when it's supposed to be and not just letting it fill idle space. So we also got a dog. <clears throat> yeah, tell us about your dog. Yeah, so we got a dog. We've been talking about it for a long time. And uh, day after Christmas, we uh, drove. We didn't tell the kids we were doing it. 
and we drove to Indiana to this uh, this rescue that Jenny follows this this girl named Lacey on uh, Facebook. She always like watches her videos. She posts about all these these dogs that she's taking care of. She's like fosters them. And so we told the kids we're like we're going on a hike, and we're gonna drive to Indiana and we're gonna go on a hike. So just wear hiking shoes. Don't complain. You don't know where we're going, so we're not going to tell you. <laughs> like, you know, it's not a place that you've ever been before. Yeah. We're just going to go. And they were like, okay. So they all hopped in the car. And we're driving. We're driving. And we start, <laughs> we go over the bridge to Indiana, and then we start pulling through these neighborhoods. And they're all like heads in books or, you know, talking or singing or whatever, so they're not really paying attention. So we pull up to this house in this neighborhood, and Jenny and I get out, and they're like looking around. They're in the car just like, what is this? So they all pile out. Hiking. And as soon as we get out, Lacey comes out of her house with a puppy on a string, <laughs> on a leash. <laughs> string. She, she comes out. And so they're still looking at me going, I thought we were going on a hike. They really wanted to hike. They're and, really sad now. And so like she comes out and they know her voice. They don't know what she looks like, but they know her voice from all these videos of these dogs where she's like playing with the dogs and everything. It's just kind of a distinct voice. Oh. <laughs> so she says Hi. And they all look at her, and Jenny goes, do you know who this is? And one of them says, oh, wait, are you Lacey? She's like, yeah. And they're like, oh, cool, wow, we get to meet Lacey. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> and that was it. And she's still standing there with the, a single puppy on My kids would have ran through at least 300 different scenarios in that minute and screamed them all at me. It was so weird. They just didn't get it. And so then I walk over and I'm like, introduce myself to her. And Jenny has been talking to her, so she kind of knows her. And I reach down and I'm like playing with this puppy. And the kids are still just standing there in the yard, like looking around. I'm like, so guys. When you're done, we're going to go hiking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, guys, do you want a dog? And then finally, nah. it kind of clicked with all of them. And you could see it kind of wave wash over the four of them. Like, wait a second. Wait, what? Wait, there's she has dogs and we ha don't. And there's dog. you know. It was really, really funny. And then they all got really, really excited. So it was cool. But anyway, we uh, adopted this dog and they didn't know what she was <laughs> exactly. She's a little black dog. Uh, we got her, she's 10 weeks old, I guess. Yeah. And... Uh, they thought she might be a mix of a lab and a mastiff. That was the the idea. Oh, yeah. That's a good-looking dog. She's very cute. She's almost completely black. She has a little white spot on her chest and then white spot on her toes. Um, and she's very cute. We want a big dog. And so we didn't know really her what she was. Her face looks like she's going to be a big dog. Yeah, the jowls. The jowls. She's got yeah. big jowls. So yesterday we got the, the DNA test back. Yeah. And she looks like she's a lot lab. Yeah. Zero lab. Maybe a little a little pity in the face? <laughs> yeah. Little eyes, yeah. big mouth. So it turns out uh, with the DNA results that she is uh, almost, she's like 31% German Shepherd, which I don't see at wouldn't all. Have, wouldn't have guessed that. No. But she's also got Pitt, Mastiff, Rottweiler, uh, Bloodhound, and <laughs> something else. Boxer? I've never boxer, seen Boxer. Yeah, a little bit of Boxer. So uh, she's probably going to be a really big dog, which is great. That's what we want. So anyway, she's good. But the reason I brought that up is because our kids are at a point now where they still kind of want our attention sometimes, occasionally. Yeah. But they don't need us, right? Not in the same way that they did you know, three years ago. And so there will be oftentimes in the house when 
everybody's just off doing their own thing, you know, playing with neighbor kids or in their room reading or playing piano or whatever. And it's weird um, that I can, in those times when nobody needs me, but I still feel like I want to be available. I'm, I'm not at work. I'm not downstairs. I'm not, you know, running. I'm in the common spaces of the house, but nobody actually needs me. That's when my phone would come out. I'm like, yeah. well, I'm going to fill this. I'm, quote, available. I need input. Yeah, but I yeah. need to be doing something. And so now that we have this dog, it's pretty cool that I can very easily just say, oh, well, I should spend the time with the dog. The dog's standing here looking at me. It wants to <laughs> love me. It wants to yep. be, you know, I need to I need to bond with this thing right. so that it's part of the family. And... um so just over the last couple of weeks, <clears throat> it's actually been a little bit easier to put the phone away for that, you know, just because I'm, there's something right there. It's has like she, having an infant again. Has she batted out of your hand yet? No. <laughs> Lena does that. Oh, really? <laughs> she's not getting attention she wants? No. She just like puts – she's a boxer and so she'll take her hands and she's very expressive with her hands and just like boom, huh. knocks it out of the way. She's still really small. We named her Indy, by Indy. the way. Anybody That's a cool name. Yeah, because we got her in Indiana. And the we dog like Indiana. Indiana Jones. So uh, she she's still small enough that she doesn't, you know, like she doesn't do that kind of thing. Yeah. She's not forceful and stuff. She's still uh, kind of timid, but she's definitely comfortable in the house, which is cool. Good. How is she with the cats? Uh, not great. <laughs> we have three cats, and she do the was, cats not like her. Or does she not like them? she not she doesn't like them? And now some of them are scared of her because she barks at them because mm. she's scared of them. So we found out that in month. Three to four of a puppy. I'm learning a lot of stuff that I've never learned, even though I've had dogs. That they're in a fear stage. Okay. And that is the time when they're with their mama dog to where they are afraid of everything. Everything. And the mom tells them what they need to be afraid of or not based on her reaction to whatever it is. So if they're being attacked by something, she reacts a certain way and teaches them they need to react that way. So without a mama dog or a brother-sister dog to be around during that age, we have to inform the puppy's reaction to things that they don't understand, like yeah. cats. So when she first came in contact with the cats, she was like, I don't – you could see it on her face. She was like, I don't know what that thing is. It's <laughs> going to eat me. It's not bigger than her, but you know, she just didn't know. So she would bark back away and you could she would kind of start shaking a little bit. You could tell she was afraid of it. And so uh, several people have told us that the way around that is just to kind of reassure her that she's safe and then go over and pet the cat to show that the cat's not going to attack us hmm. and kind of go back and forth between them to yeah. say, like, yeah, look, I'm friends with both of you. You yeah. can be friends with each other. And it's definitely gotten better, but she still is just – she's a puppy, so she's excitable. She – when she sees something move, she wants to go after it and just to get to it, and that scares the cats. So I think it will end up being fine, but – it's uh, It's been an adjustment for both. Oh, yeah. The cats are so used to just having like free range of the house. Yep. Everything is theirs. They get all the love and they're super cuddly, nice cats. And you can you can tell they're definitely. Are they hanging out in higher places than they normally do? Yeah. And we have, we've gated off a couple of rooms so that their food and litter boxes are away because mm. she's gotten into the cat food several times, which apparently is really bad for dogs. We found out. Lots of stuff is bad for dogs. Yeah. Slugs? You know slugs are bad for dogs? No. She eats slugs. Hmm. And they carry lungworms. Yum. Yeah, which can kill a dog. Hmm. So Toothpaste. I learned. Toothpaste is very bad for dogs. Oh, yeah, that's right. That was right. Lena's problem. <laughs> yeah. Bust out in hives and just started puking and throwing up everywhere. 
Yeah, so it's been an adventure with the dog, and uh, we're already talking about getting another one. Of course. Of course we were. We were going to – we were actually considering getting two at the same time because when we had our dogs before, when we first got married, we got dogs, and we had litter mates. We had a brother and a sister, best dogs in the history of canines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were awesome. I loved them. And they were great together. They were um, great with us. We never had any problems with the fact that they're litter mates. And apparently now that's known to be like a, a problematic thing. Why? Um, because – the rescue that we got her from told us that um, they've had three sets of litter mates returned in the last like six months because they have some sort of like bonding issue where they bond together as like a pack. Yeah. And then they don't really bond with humans very well. And they're hmm. really like they keep all other dogs outside the pack. And we didn't have this at all before. So obviously this is not every combo, but it's happened three times with them so they didn't want us to take her and one of her siblings they said if you want another puppy that's fine but go get another one from like a different like not related interesting so that she's learning new dog and new people and new cat not like this is the thing that I'm already close to and I'm going to stay close to this and Hmm. all the everybody else is outside so anyway we didn't get two puppies at the same time but we're thinking about it and that means we have to get a fence Probably. I did not want a fence. I really don't want a fence. The um, – we have the sonar – not sonar, but like the zone radar fence, yeah. not the buried cable one. That thing works like a charm. For my crazy, yeah. insane, excitable boxer, she obeys that thing. So that's what I would like to do. And I think with Indy, that would probably work. But for the other dog, I would really like to have a great Pyrenees. I don't know what that dog looks like. Imagine a a polar bear. Mm-hmm. Oh. That's it. <laughs> Just like that big, white, fluffy dog? Yeah. Oh, dang. Yeah. They're huge. But uh, Jenny's been volunteering. Oh, yeah. Look how big they are. They're just a huge they're dog. So that's big. like a, a pillow, like a couch pillow. Oh, yeah. With eyes that yeah. can poop. <laughs> There's our title. <laughs> so Jenny's been volunteering at this, this animal rescue place. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, 20 minutes away or so. <clears throat> and they, you know, they rescue all sorts of stuff. They got like jacked up raccoons and jacked up possums and jacked up deers and like deer. Yeah. That that's right there. A, that's a huge uh, bundle of cozy blankets. So at this place, there's all these animals and she has like four dogs. She has two great Pyrenees. And when they stand next to you, one of them, especially like the the male, the top of his head is above my belt. <laughs> and that sounds a little intimidating, but they are the sweetest, softest dogs I have. And soft, not like their fur, like just their attitude. Yeah. We walked up and they barked when we drove up and then we got out of the car. They were like, oh, you're just humans. Cool. <laughs> I don't care about <laughs> humans. And so then they walked over to me, never having met them before, and just laid their head into my side and I would pet them and I'm like, oh, wow, you guys are really sweet. And then I'd try to walk off and they would follow me and just push their head in. <laughs> and then I'd turn away and they'd walk around in front of me and stick their head in between my legs. Oh, they're so awesome. They're like really sweet and huge. Yeah. But they are working dogs. They are protection. There's a there's a name for the type of dog. It's like a cattle, cattle protection or something like that. 
they are the dog that you would have on a farm to keep predators away from your yeah. livestock. So they are used to being able to roam large areas. Uh, they will not do a, a collar, like a fence, like an electric collar thing. They have to have at least a four-foot fence, and even then they might get over it. But So everybody that I've talked to and all the stuff that I've read – and said, like, no, you have to have a fence or that dog will see something in a field and it will go after it to protect you and it will go <laughs> and it will follow mm. that thing until it can't walk anymore. So um, even though I don't want a fence, I'm with you. Like I would really rather not just break up our yard and there's no good place to put it if we're going to get a dog like that. And even if we're not, even with Indy, we may still have to break down and put in a real fence. So, Well, the electric fence thing mm – -hmm is cool because you have to train them to where the boundaries are. Right. And, yeah, with the Pyrenees, I get I, I get that. If something was there, they'd go run. Yeah. I know we have deer that go up and down our neighborhood, oh, and yeah. Lena will just, like, sit there and stare at them. Uh, she's huge with people. She wants to love and jump and lick all over people. And so when our neighbors come home, she sits in this spot in our yard at the edge of the fence perimeter and just sits there, and her little butt just, like, goes crazy and, <laughs> like, digs a hole in the dirt. It's as close for, as she can go. Yeah, <laughs> until my neighbor Jason comes up, like, walks up the hill and then loves on her, and then she turns into, like, the Tasmanian devil and just, like, spins and oh, runs yeah. and gets all crazy. But I, I was really surprised at how she took to that fence because our first boxer that we ever had, like, if I opened that door, he would knock me over and just run forever. Mm. And he did it a couple of times, and it was pretty scary. And when we lived in Washington, I would go out into the, the military base that I was on. I had these big, huge helicopter training ranges. And I would just let him run, like, as far yeah. and as fast as he wanted to go. Yeah. And so in my mind, like, a boxer is just this hyperactive, crazy licking machine that just will run at any given chance. And she has taken to it. I go, of course, we, we've been to dog training with her when we didn't with our other dog. And it's just it's a night and day difference. Like, I can let her outside, and she can just walk around the house and – she has her limits. She can't go up to the sidewalk in the front yard. She used to be able to go up to the sidewalk and then to the side yard by our neighbor's house. But then he was building some stuff and she started digging in it. So we made her little yeah. force field a little smaller. Hmm. But force field. <laughs> she can she can go out to her heart's content. And we have a handle on the back door that's one of those like horizontal handles that you rotate down. And so she just walks up to the door and jumps on it and opens the back door and comes in the house. Nice. Yeah. I haven't trained her to close the door after herself yet, mm. which would be a level she up. She's like a prehensile tail. Yeah, I, th I thought about putting like a some spring hinges on there so that it would just close. Hmm. One of our cats can do that. He opens the back door with one of those things to come in. Yeah. We let him on the back porch and so he'll let himself back in. Clever animals. Yeah, for real. Oh, we're like 51 minutes Dang. talking about dogs. Crazy. Um, I was going to say something in regard to the thing that you just said about your dog and I can't remember what it was. Okay. Yeah, I guess it'll have to wait. Um. You got anything else you want to go through? No, there's some stuff that uh, we add. So people listening, we added a, a list of, of things so we didn't just like either forget stuff or try to pile on too much into a single episode. There's two things I want to add to the list. Okay. But don't let me forget. Basically, I'm going to forget. Okay. I will try to remind you. Don't let me forget to ask you about the dog training that you got for oh, your yeah. dog because we are, have that's, not found a place That's in what's town. Up. Okay. That lady. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Becca? Bella. Bella. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I keep hearing about her. Cool. Well, um, big thanks to everybody over in the Maker Alliance because they make this show possible. Uh, it is a group of really fantastic people that support what we do here at I Like to Make Stuff and 
hopefully they get a bunch of stuff back that they like. They get discounts on plans and free plans. Uh, the Discord server that they're all on is hopping all the time. Yeah. We had our hangout, our monthly video hangout the other night on Tuesday, and I mm-hmm. think it might have been the biggest one we've ever had. That was a lot of people. It was a lot of people. They were they, on there past midnight. They were, yeah. yeah, they were on there talking. So this is what happens, everybody. We get on there, we talk for about an hour, and then I usually have to go take somebody to soccer practice. That's what it was this week or something or dinner or whatever. So I leave, and I leave the meeting open, and then they hang out and talk. And usually I'll come back down to, like, turn off lights and everything at, you know, 8.30, 9 o'clock, and there's two people sitting there talking. This is like three hours later. Well, that happened this week, but there were like seven or eight people talking. And this then, is the like 28 people that started whenever I yeah, got on? Yeah. People left and came back. One guy said after school he came back. <laughs> so they talked for a while. And then I found out that they shut the whole thing down at 1.30 a.m. That's crazy. They were talking for a long time. Maker so, Alliance is also scheming to do good. Yes. they. Uh, we don't want to talk too much about it, but they asked me – to talk to the four of us, and we need to sit down and schedule a call because they they are they are coming up with a service project and meetup that yes. we have not scheduled, we have not managed, we have not kind of done anything to. So, if you're looking, if you like, I like to make stuff. If you care about what we're talking about at all, there are people just like you that are forming their own really deep rooted relationships mm-hmm. uh, on the Maker Alliance. If you like Minecraft, we have a brand new, updated, really cool-looking Minecraft server, which is bonkers. It is cool. Like we do a lot of good stuff, and they do they make our stuff better. They are self-initiating, yeah, a lot, which is really amazing. It's a great community. Um, the Discord thing is is always going on, but you know they're they're just connected to each other, and it's really great. And we are grateful for all the support that we get from them. Um, so if you want to go check that out. Go to ilikeTomakeStuff.com slash join and check it out. You can do it through Patreon or through YouTube membership or – Somebody asked me if it was better to do Patreon or YouTube and it's really six to one, half dozen the other. It is easier to communicate with people on Patreon than it is YouTube. But if it's easier to join on YouTube, then you do you. Yeah, we try to make the communications equal on both. It's just Patreon's built for it. Yep. But – the whole membership on thing on YouTube was an afterthought on their part. <laughs> to and you try can kind of tell. Up. In the yeah. back end, you can tell. Yeah, for sure. But anyway, uh, where can people find you on the internet? At Josh underscore make stuff. You can find me and all of us at I like to make stuff on all the stuff, even TikTok. Word, you've been on TikTok lately. Been, been TikToking it up a little bit. Oh, we're going to be at WorkbenchCon. People need to know. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, That's happening. It Assuming it happens, which I, I assume it is. But, you know, the world's, haven't said it's not. <laughs> the world's crazy, so who knows. But, yeah, we're going to be there. We're doing some sort of a class, which I don't think we've nailed down yet. Um, and I would love feedback if you're listening to this and you have ideas of what that class should be or what that thing should be, like maybe all four of us giving, I don't know, some instruction on something or whatever. We're doing that thing. Give us feedback there. Also, I'm giving a keynote on Saturday morning. Uh, Did you figure out what it's going to be? Yes. That's good. Yeah. I have. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think I have the idea. So I was gonna, supposed to respond for you, and I'm like, I don't know what he's going to talk about. Yeah, so we're going to be uh, hammers. Hey, they spelled my last name wrong on the thing. That's <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah, they did. Call it get. Yeah. Anyway, Workbench Con is awesome. It's a great time. Lots and lots of people. It's a great time to like catch up with 
other makers and other content creators. It's so yeah, go check it out. We actually have a code. We do. Yeah, to give you fifty bucks off, and I don't remember what the code is, but it's on Instagram. So if you want to go, go. I think it's like we should uh, do a meetup thing like we did last year for the Maker Alliance. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that on Discord. Yeah. So they know the inside deets. Well, they're the ones we're talking to. That's true. But we want to talk to you too, so you should head on over there. Yeah. Uh, so we'll be at Maker, not Makers, Makers. <laughs> we'll be at Maker Central too, theoretically. Got to buy those plane tickets, but we're, we'll be at WorkbenchCon. When is that? It's in April. We got to talk about that. We haven't yeah, talked about that at all. Not. Where's the WorkbenchCon thing? I'm on Instagram it's right in now. It's in Atlanta. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. We'll post oh, the, the announcement we'll thing. Oh, post okay. the code. Uh, the I think code. it was a story, so it's probably done. Oh, we'll okay. post the code. Anyway, we're rambling. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Bye-bye. Which hopefully will not be a oh, month from yeah. now. It'll be like a week from now. We got to be less busy. Yes. <laughs> yeah, right. I ain't never gonna have. <laughs> Can I say my bye bye now? Sure. Okay, bye bye. Officially. <laughs> <laughs> my bye bye now.